we're in a series called Battlefield. Everybody say Battlefield. But I've got, it's good news. It's a good news message because we are in a battle. There is a struggle. We do have an enemy. But if we find out who he is and how he works and, and where the battle will be, then we get to win. All right, let's close in prayer. <laughs> now we get to win. Anybody like to win? Yeah. I've, I've seen some of y'all, you know, almost lose and like about to throw a fit, you know? So we've made a way, or he has made a way that we are able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we've identified that we are in a struggle. We're in a battle. No one's exempt from that. And, you know, you're either in one, just came out of one, or you might be facing one. And, and don't let that upset you either. That just kind of goes with the turf of where, of where we are. And so we're in a battle. We know that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is actually the devil. Amen. And he's a liar. Yes. And he has a cohort of, of spiritual evil and darkness. And he uses, for the most part, schemes and strategies and uh he's a deceiver and he lies to us he likes to distract us and 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 get us off course um but if we know how he works and we know where he works then then again we don't have to succumb to that in second corinthians two eleven, it says paul writes he says lest satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices let's draw a principle from that if we're not ignorant from his devices, uh, of his devices, then he can't take advantage of us. If you know that always they run this play when it's third down and one, then we know how to defend against that. You follow me? If we, if we always know that he's going to throw that left hook, then, then we know to, to duck. the scripture says the evil, uh, the, the prudent foresee evil. And they hide themselves. They make adjustments. They make adjustments for this. So if we understand how and where he works, then we're, we're going to be at, at much more of a, an advantage. Um, the enemy works, and this is just a real brief, brief review so we can tie something together here. Do you remember from the previous two weeks, what does the enemy use? What does he work in traffic in? Darkness. Good. A few smart people here. The rest of you all just assume that you were about to say that. You were just, you're clearing your throat to pronounce it right. Uh, darkness. Everybody say darkness. darkness. And darkness actually has to do with ignorance. And again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it means there's something you don't know. There's something you don't understand. There's something you can't see. And so the answer to darkness is what? Is light. And again, this is all figurative. So that we, we understand I'm, I'm dark on this. I don't understand. I I can't see something. I don't remember something. I don't recognize something. I, I can't see it. And so light comes in that helps us because the enemy likes to keep you in darkness. And that battlefield, if you remember, is the battlefield of your mind. It's the place between your ears, okay, the place of the skull. It's in your thoughts. It's in your thoughts. Well, today I want to talk to you about another thing that the enemy lives in, works in, traffics in, and it's this. Dryness. Everybody say dryness. Now stay with me and I'll kind of fill this out for you. And where this works, this happens in your soul. Now how many of you can kind of follow me a little bit? How many of you have ever had kind of some just dryness in your soul? Okay. Dryness in your soul. And, and the difference is this. The mind... The enemy is working with your thoughts. 
And then when he works with your soul, when he's trying to mess you up in your soul, this is where you think, this is where you feel, and this is where you decide. So this is very strategic that the enemy could somehow get in and kind of work his crud where you think, where you feel, where you decide. So it's going to mess with your emotions, your decisions, your thought processes. And so this goes beyond darkness and now comes into this dryness uh, on the inside. Let, let me just tell you this. Listen to me. The devil's not out just to give you a bad morning. You know, some people just, well, the devil, my coffee was bad and we were out of creamer. I tell you, the devil is just ruining my morning. Can I tell you, he don't care about your morning. He'll he'll throw a little. This is what he's out to do. He's out to get you off course. He's out to give you a bad steer, bad directions, get your life off course. Because guess what? Everything's connected. He gets you off. He's going to get somebody else off. In high school and college, last two years of high school and then going into college, I worked at this gas station in in Leesburg. And um, that was back in the days of, of full service. How many of you remember full service? We had little uniforms, you know, I have my name, uh, grease rag, whether or not you needed it, you had it, you know, it was just, it was cool. And it had a little, uh, retractable key thing right there. I'll tell you what else that's called. Babe magnet right there. You just, and, uh, pull that thing out, you know, open the cash drawer. And that's back if anybody came in and, and, um, they used a credit card. We had to, we had a little book on top of the cash drawer, a little book. We had to look and make sure their number, by, manually, we had to look through the book, make sure their number wasn't bad. This was last century. Okay. <laughs> there were no computers like that. The only computers were on Hawaii Five O, and it, spilled, it filled a whole big room. Okay. And uh, I, I liked working there. Obviously, I worked about four years, but probably about second, third week I'm there and... Uh, People come in, you know, ding, ding, and we'd run out, you know, wash their window, check their oil, air in the tires, all that kind of stuff. And one day this guy pulls in, probably about my third week there, a guy pulls in and uh, $5, high test. So still you got the full treatment. So he did full treatment. Anything else we can do for you today, sir? And uh, he said, yeah, I need directions. I said, where to? I'm like 16. I said, where to? He said, Claremont. All right. What you want to do here is you want to go down here about six lights, take your left, go about two lights, go right. And that's going to put you out and just keep heading that way. You'll see signs. Claremont. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. I'm leaning on the tanks. Then my boss comes out a little bit and he goes, so where was he headed? And I said, Claremont. And he goes, why did you send him that way? He said, you better hope he doesn't come back by this way. And inside I'm thinking, no, I just hope that when he does come back by here, I'm not here. All right. You know, <laughs> but I'm not the devil. Okay. But that's what the devil will try to do is just get you way off course. It's not, it's not just about your morning, your coffee or whatever. It's about getting you off track. And the way he does that, he's got to get into your mind. He's got to get into your soul and he's, he's got to create some havoc there. So this dryness of the soul, let's talk about this in Isaiah five. Verse 13, I just freaked myself out, y'all, because part of my mind is still on the old service schedule where we'd normally quit at noon. And I thought, and he started and we're over. 
that devil. All right. Isaiah 5, 13. The prophet says, therefore, my people have gone, watch this, into captivity because they have what? No knowledge. What is that? Darkness. What happened? They went into captivity. Their honorable men are famished and they and their multitude dried up with thirst. Satan is a god of drought. He lives in dry places, the scripture shows us. Jesus uh, teaching in the gospel of Matthew, he said that when an evil spirit would leave a person, it would go out in the Greek language infers that they would return to dry places. And there's a lot of theological underpinnings of that. We're not even going to attempt to go into all that except to say this, that those dry places represent something that is opposite of human well-being. It's opposite of God's presence. It's opposite of God's blessing. And so the enemy lives in, works in, traffics in this dryness. We live in a dry and thirsty land. Know that, that we live in a dry and thirsty land. Psalm 107 verse 5 says, hungry and thirsty Their soul fainted in them. The New International says their life ebbed away. Get this, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Let me tell you that if you have a tendency to faint, people around you are going to take your car keys away from you, okay? And so this is a serious thing. I wrote in my notes, whoa, you know, if there's something going on, and this is figurative here, but if there's hunger and thirst, dryness within you, it can cause your, your what to faint? Your soul to faint. It's a, a collapsing, the life and light to go out of you. And so we've got to look at this. Now, the scripture at times is literal. But much of scripture is also uh, metaphors and symbolism. And one of the most used metaphors in scripture, word picture, is water. And water represents a lot of, a lot of things as we talk about uh, dryness here. Water represents life. It represents blessing. It represents God's presence, God's spirit, God's word. It also represents God's people. Uh, people, mankind throughout history tends to settle and build cities and population centers around what? Around water. I'll show you a map of the United States, and I want you to look at the major cities across our country. They're either right on a, a bay, on a lake, on on uh, a river, one way or another. They've got to get near water. They've got to have it for transportation, but they've also got to have it for survival. You know, in the days where our, our country was being founded, you, you lose the map now. Um, in the days that our country was being Founded, if somebody got land, the first thing they would try to do, they'd try to get near some water. Let's try to get near a spring, near a creek or a creek, depending on where you're from, or a river. Or we've got to get by the bay or we've got to dig a well because you've got to have water. It's just vital to life. And spiritually speaking, it is vital to your spiritual life. We're going to have to make sure that, that we end up in the right place with this. Uh, perhaps the strongest metaphor in scripture is this. Now, I want you to get this, follow this. 
There is a the word picture. Get this. There is a river of life, a river of life that flows from the throne of God. The prophet Ezekiel said this, and wherever the river flows, there life flourishes. And that's where you and I need to be, not in dry places, not having dryness in our soul, but we need to be, we need to be by a river. Are y'all with me? And that river flows. Now, drought and dryness speaks of curse as, as a symbol, as a metaphor. It's the result of sin and disobedience. It, it speaks of a lack of blessing. You know, cultures all through time have, have equated drought with curse. You know, God's withholding blessing because there's not rain on your crops, so to speak. And so that metaphor continues. It also speaks of the lack of God's presence, a lack of life a lack of knowledge, a lack of God's word. And again, we live in a dry and thirsty land. But get this, we live in a dry and thirsty land, but you don't have to stay thirsty. We live in a dry and thirsty land, but you don't have to stay thirsty. Here's what you need to make it your business to do. You need to plant your life by a river. You need to find yourself a meadow brook. Just thought, just kind of throw that in. Right. You need God's people. You need God's presence. You need God's word. If you, if you look at the stained glass back here, this is based on Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. That's our logo. It's on all of our stuff. For 24 years, that's been my prayer for you every day, that we would become like trees. We would become like these trees that are planted. Get this, planted by rivers of water that send out their roots by the river. And when the heat comes, they don't fear. And in the year of, in the year of season of drought, they're not afraid. Their leaf stays green and they don't stop from yielding fruit. Yet the land is dry, but you don't have to be thirsty if you'll position your life in the right way. And so if there's dryness in your soul, we're going to have to pay attention to it. And that's the, the alarm that I'm trying to sound to you today is don't live with dryness in your soul because it's going to, it's going to take you to a wrong place. And I, I'll try to illustrate that for you here this morning. Drought leads to famine. Drought leads to famine. Now, now just follow this. Just think this out. Drought, when that comes, the topsoil gets messed up. There's land damage. There's wind erosion, a dust bowl effect. Plants wither, animals die, people start to starve. And guess what? People start to starve, somebody's going to kick up a ruckus. I mean, when you're hungry, you make some noise. Y'all, I'm hungry. You know, when you're hungry, you make some noise. When you're thirsty, get this, you can live 12 days without food, but you can only live three days without water. And you've got to, you've got to have this. And so... Drought brings this famine and then famine brings chaos because we've got to eat. I've got to feed my, my family. You know, the, uh, we're running out of this and people are dying. I'm dying and I don't feel good, you know, and, and so you, chaos ensues and then compromise will follow that because then you'll do just about anything to get food or water and then you'll eat or drink just about anything. Am I telling the truth? There was a time that Samaria was under siege and uh, here's what you could get at the market. Donkey's head and dove's dung. Don't think that went too long. And then, and this is very serious and sad, and they were even eating children. 
because it was just so severe. And here's the deal. It gets really bad because then it goes to captivity because, and get this, because we'll come back to this. Wars are fought over water. Wars are fought over water. Why? Because drought leads to death. Drought leads to death. And so it's about preserving your life, your spiritual life, and everything that's connected to you. We have to make sure that water, water is in good supply in our life. We've got to get planted by those rivers of water. Now, how does this work? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Paul writes, the mighty apostle writes this. I am afraid. I am afraid. Let's see what he's afraid of. I am afraid that just as Eve. So he's saying in the same way. That just as Eve was what? Deceived by the serpent's cunning. That your what? Your minds. That's all right here. That your minds may somehow be led astray. Watch carefully from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You say, I could never be led astray. I have pure and devotion to Christ. Paul says, exactly, and I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid for all of us that the devil would pull on you the same thing that he pulled on Eve. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, you can go back and read about this. This this is what went down. Temptation was successful with Eve because of dissatisfaction. Y'all follow me. Dissatisfaction and discontent. Because here's here's, here's the question. Here's the problem. How do you tempt somebody who lives in a perfect setting? She had no lack. There was no strife. Her and Adam were fine. There was no lust. There was no competition. There was no confusion. There were no bills. There were no problems. There was no bad news. There was no noisy, nosy neighbors. None of that. How do you tempt somebody? How do you lead astray somebody who lives in a perfect setting? Here's what you do. The devil was successfully able to go to her who had everything and deceive her to think that she didn't have everything. Are you hearing me? With dissatisfaction. And he made her think that somehow God's holding out on you. There's more to be had and God's, God's holding out on you. He's holding, he's holding back from you. So here's the real question. If the devil could tempt someone who lived in a perfect setting, perfect situation with dissatisfaction and discontent, look at me for this. Then what, on, what in the world do you think he's going to try to do with you? So antennas up, alarm Going off, we now know that we've got to watch something here. And let me make an equation here. I think that that is dryness of soul. That something gets in to make you feel like, oh, wow, I'm thirsty for more. This dissatisfaction, discontent, boredom is dryness in our soul. That is the battlefield in our soul that we've got to be very sensitive and aware of that dryness. Be aware. How many of you know what I'm talking about? discontent, bored, something on the inside. How many know boredom's going to get you in trouble? Boredom will get you in trouble. I think it was in 10th grade for about six months or so. I couldn't drive yet. My brother's graduated. I didn't want to ride the stinking bus. Uh, 
it took like three hours to get home that way. So I had a neighbor who worked across the street from my high school that lived right behind me. So I would ride with him sometimes. And he had this convertible car. It wasn't fancy. It was just convertible. I don't know. Maybe the roof rusted off. I don't know. But no, it was a little better than that. And so uh, when I'd finish stuff after school, I would cross the little highway there and go over and I would just sit and wait in his car and do homework and stuff. And some days you didn't have homework. So I'm just sitting in his car. So I just kind of slouch down, you know, people come and go. And sometimes I have to sit there a half hour, sometimes, you know, maybe an hour even. And sometimes I would get what? Bored. So I remember playing with a cigarette lighter in the dash. And then it pops out, you know. And I thought, well, I'll do something with that. There's a Burger King straw on the so Melt a Burger King straw. <laughs> Melt my pencil. You know, burn my pencil a little bit. He smoked and I saw some cigarettes. And I thought, he seems to enjoy it. My mom would kill me, but I, so I, I'd watched enough people smoke in my life. So I did that and got the thing going. <laughs> that was the second time I tried to smoke. I didn't finish either time. I just, just quit right there. But after a while, you know, I'm looking around. I thought, what a, what a goober. I burn a straw. I burnt my pencil. I tried to smoke and I burned my finger. It's like Gilligan, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? And you, and you know what it is? Just boredom. Just dryness. And we've got to be careful of that in our lives. Can somebody say amen? Now, when you are dry, when there's dryness in your soul, when you are thirsty, let me promise you what the enemy will do. He will always set up some lemonade stand near you. Here, just try this. This will quench your thirst. Always will come up with something like that. But here's the truth about the trick. It will only make you more thirsty. It will only make you more thirsty. Again, back to when I was a little kid, my mom would, you know, summer break especially, put you outside, close the screen door. We didn't have AC and put the hook on the door. And I'd run around these old red shorts and tennis shoes. I have to go to a dermatologist today because she put me out in the sun so much, you know. And you get thirsty out there. You know what? You just drink out of people's hoses. And after a while, you're all hot and everything. You're kind of hungry and thirsty. And so you wander back home. Sometimes I wander to other people's houses. You got that little dirt sweat ring, you know, under, under your neck. You're banging on the screen. Mom, let me in. You know, so hold on. I'm making Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. But my mom would put like two, three cups of sugar in a, in a thing, a Kool-Aid. Or sometimes we had Tang. Y'all remember that Tang? Actually, we didn't get Tang. We got the Winn-Dixie version of Tang, you know. So it's kind of missing the flavor and stuff. But, but she'd soup that up with some more sugar. And here's the trick about that. You drink that, you drink that, you drink that. But actually it does not. It does not quench your thirst. It just makes you more thirsty. And that's what the devil does. Not that my mom was the devil. Although that thought crossed through my mind sometimes. All right. But it just makes you more thirsty. And that's what it'll do. It's a digression away from the river of life. If you don't pay attention when you're close to the river of life and you get that dryness in your soul and you get that thirst and that dissatisfaction, I'm promising you the enemy is always going to be nearby and say, hey, try this. Meet them. Go here. Take a hit of this. Do this. Come here. 
And you, and, and you know what? And, and y'all are acting like the Holy Bunch. I know better. <laughs> Holy Bunch comes at 8.30, okay? <laughs> They're long gone. They're on a missions trip. I don't know. Y'all here, you know what I'm talking about. And one thing leads to another. Maybe this will quench my thirst. I'm going to tell you, it won't. And the enemy, will, the enemy will be set up just a little bit further with another little stinking lemonade stand to say, hey, try this. I know that wasn't good, but boy, this will be. And it might be a, ra- a relationship. It might be a substance. It may be an activity. It may be, it may be something. He's always going to be trying. In a TV show, an act- activity, a hobby, a habit, something to draw you, draw you, draw you further and further away. And thirst drives you. And it leads you further from the water of life if you don't turn to the water of life, further away from the river of God. In Jeremiah 2.13, the prophet says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. What he's saying is this is what you'll do. One thing leads to another, two sins. First one is if you forsake God, who's the fountain of living water, if you forsake him, then you're going to have to have a source. And the source that you would create of your own doesn't even hold water. So I want you to understand this. If you are not first of all satisfied with God, you've got to get your satisfaction in God. Bottom line. Y'all look at me. You've got to get your satisfaction from God. The only cure to that dryness on the inside, hope, uh, uh, ultimately, is this. You've got to be by the river of God. You've got to have the water that Jesus gives us. You've got to. You say, yeah, but my dryness in my soul is about this or this or this. Listen, it's all connected back to God. God's your source for all of this. And if you you have that... If you're not, first of all, satisfied with God, let me tell you what happened. You'll soon become dissatisfied in other areas of your life. And then you'll try to fill with other things. And what it will do, it's going to ruin you. It's going to ruin your soul. It's like putting regular gasoline into a diesel engine. You know, you're going to mess it up. There's warnings. Don't do this. Don't don't put that in here. You're going to ruin your soul and you're going to ruin your family. You're going to ruin your future. You're going to ruin a lot of things if, if you don't pay attention to this and handle this in the right way. I want to bring it down to this. And please let me get your full attention for this. If satisfaction is missing in your life, if there's dryness in your soul, get this. You must see it as a crisis. We don't ever want to think of ourselves as being in personal crisis, but you hear me, hear me. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm trying to feed you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you get close to some water here. If there's dissatisfaction, if, if satisfaction is missing on the inside, if you have dryness in your soul, you have to pay attention to that. You have to treat that. You have to see that as a crisis. You know why? Because it's an opening for the enemy. Wars are fought over water. And you need to fight. I said you need to fight. Because some of the things, hold on. Some of the things that you're dissatisfied in other areas of your life, you say, well, God can't help it. I'm going to tell you why you're dissatisfied there, why you don't have the grace that you need there, is because you're not getting your full satisfaction from God. You need to get your roots down by the river. God will give you the grace. He'll give you the nourishment. He'll, He'll amply, amply quench the thirst that's in you. Because you've got to wrestle this thing to the ground. My prayer today is this is that you'll be so sensitive on the inside that you won't let it go. That when there's that dryness in your soul, you won't let it go. And you'll see it maybe in some perimeter areas of your life, 
where you've got dryness about this, bored with this, dissatisfied with this, discontent with this. Pay attention to that because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you who's working in that. It's the enemy of your soul. And he's working in your soul. And, and the answer to it is to get yourself planted like a tree by rivers of water. Send down your roots by the river. And when the heat comes, you won't be afraid. In the year of drought, your leaves will still be green and you'll not cease from yielding fruit. Jesus said this, if you're thirsty, come to me. Over and over, if you're thirsty, come to me. Pay attention on the inside to that thirst, that dryness, and come to him. But in the, in the, in the process of that, listen to me. Don't fall for the devil's little lemonade stance. Now, that does not mean that you go home today and two little girls have a lemonade stand set up in your neighborhood. That does not mean they are the devil, okay? You, you're with me on that. But pay attention to that. And I pray that you'd be so discerning on this, that God would make this clear to you and that you would make tracks. You would fight for this. Wars are fought over water that you would fight to get yourself back and live and planted by rivers of water. And you know what? When you're thirsty enough, you'll get out of bed. You'll get out of bed so that you can drink of God's presence and drink of God's word. Let me back up on something I kind of skipped over earlier, but I think it's important. Probably one of the worst tricks that the enemy has played. Sin dries you out. We know that. But so does stale religion. And it's one of the meanest tricks that he's played because then it's to get people away from the path that would take them to the river. So let me just put it to you this way, then I'll wrap up. If reading the Bible is dry and boring for you, if coming to church is dry and boring for you, if praying to a living God is dry and boring to you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. When you hang around here, we'll help you to learn how to do it right, to drink deep of God's Word. And sometimes just a sip. How many of you know just a sip? I remember you'd have... We'd be hot and thirsty and one of my kids, can I have just a sip? You hand them the cup, it's gone, you know. (laughs) But if you're doing those things and they're dry and they're boring to you, you're doing them wrong. And I just would encourage you, don't let the devil pull that one on you either. Amen? Amen. Well, it's a dry and thirsty land, but you don't have to stay thirsty. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?